WPSL, Port St. Lucie. It's 9 o'clock and time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to Good we morning. And hope you can stay with us for the next hour. We're on until 10 o'clock here on We Are Just Christians, and we're taking your calls, comments, questions, whatever's on your mind of a spiritual nature. And you certainly don't have to be a member of our church or a believer or anything like that. As long as you're interested in uh, anything spiritual, have a, maybe you have a question about the Bible or a question about churches, why people do things. Maybe you have a, a complaint or a story to tell, something like that. We'd be glad to hear from you. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the numbers so you can reach us. Let me assure you of something. We have a longstanding policy here that we don't, in, we don't say things just to bait people to get them to call. And when you call in, we're not going to antagonize you just to make point, make it interesting or something like that. We're going to listen to your question, and we'll do our best to try to give you an answer from the Bible, the Scriptures, to help you with that question. Or we'll take your comment and consider it and try to look at what we're doing or what could be done in light of the Scriptures. And uh, so we'll give you that. We'll have a discussion with you. And also, we promise that on every issue, especially if we disagree, we're going to give you the last word so you don't have to feel like we're taking advantage of you. That's kind of the way our rules of operation on We Are Just Christians. And um, my name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the el- elders of the church here. The other elder is Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Good. We're glad we can be here with you. Let me give you the numbers here. First of all, the best way to reach us, uh, the most interesting way for us, is to call us live right now on WPSL, 772-340-1590. That's the regular call-in number for WPSL, 772-340-1590 is the number. And we'll put you, uh, Ray at the station will put you right on there through, through to us, and we can talk. Uh, we'd be glad to hear from you. You can also reach us by text this morning or even also during the week. Gary and I both have text numbers. They're almost the same, but slightly different. My text number is 772-260-6120. 772 6120 and Gary's text number is 772-260-6220 so you can text us during the show we'll if we can respond we will sometimes we can do better at that than others uh, and and then we, we certainly can respond to you or text back and forth during the week if you want to text us about something that's on your mind we also have email just christians at att.net just christians at att.net if you'll Want to write us a note or an email about a longer subject? Feel free to do that. We'll we can talk about those questions or comments on the air. Um, if you want to remain anonymous, we can certainly do that. But we'd be glad to have you to uh, glad to have you co- communicate with us in those ways. Uh, Mike, I just thought of something. If if you text us about a subject that's kind of lengthy, please include your email address. Lengthy replies on text are kind of hard to do, and we can we can reply email. If uh, if you have one of those, especially on phones like Gary carries around, right? My ninety nine dollar <laughs> phone. I had to throw, I, I get, I get had to throw that in there. That. You know. Well, Gary, I, I'm not, but I'm not that great in typing on phones or anywhere either. Anywhere either with my uh, cerebral palsy affecting my right side, so I use that little microphone button. I just talk into it, and it, I found out these the newer phones do a pretty good job of helping me there. But in any event, um, that's what that's what. Uh, I do. Uh, 
when I can't type out a long response, but that's certainly true about email. You want to give a little longer response to us. Include your email address, and we promise not to bombard you with spam or anything like that if you send us your email address or whatever. We're not here to take advantage of somebody. Twist, we're not here to twist your arm. We do believe in what we believe, and we think everybody should be a Christian, a New Testament Christian. But uh, that has to come from your sincere understanding and belief in the truth, not from some sales pitch we can offer you. So we want, we're going to get you on the road to that if we can, if you're not already, by pointing to the scriptures that, that speak of these things to give you some comfort and hope in life. And the reason we put the emphasis on the scripture is, is found in the scripture itself. In, in John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus himself says, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. And we find Jesus' words in the New Testament. Right. Now, um, I, I, I'm going to take the time right now at the beginning of the show. before We're going to jump into something here in just a second. So, But uh, I do want to mention there's some other ways that you can listen to this show. And you can tell your friends and uh, family about it. We'd be really appreciative if you do that. Number one, if you can't listen on an AM radio, you can certainly go to WPSL.com, and there on their website, uh, they have a Listen Live button, I think it's called, and, and you can click that. It'll take you to another page, and you'll be, be brought right to any show that's on the air, this show in particular, at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. So your friends and relatives from all over the country or world can listen to the show live at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on WPSL by pushing that Listen Live button, WPSL.com. You can also find us live on TuneIn Radio, on the TuneIn Radio app on your phone, on all the Alexa devices. Just just tell Alexa to look up WPSL uh, and uh, Google Chrome. I think it's 1590 WPSL, uh, and as well as Google Chrome, and you can uh, get a hold of us uh, that way. You can listen to the show that way. We also have recordings on our website, a podcast, and also on Apple iTunes at wearejustchristians.com. You can go there uh, to our website, wearejustchristians.com, click on, the, click on the radio show button, and you'll take you to the podcast for this show. And you can listen there on your computer or listen on your phone. You can download them. You can have them sent to you periodically. Whatever you can do with a podcast, you can do with these recordings of this show. So we'd be glad to have you to... Um, to follow us that way and recommend us to your friends. And we try to do something interesting each week uh, to talk about. And we love the people that call in. So the 772-340-1590, we'd urge you to call in. We'd be glad to take in, uh, you on any subject that you've got in mind. Well, Gary, <coughs> I ran, there's a lot of things we could talk about, of course. You know, we go around and around about things that we talk about. But um, on this show... I often like to bring in some kind of an article or a news piece, not just to talk about that particular thing so much as to get into the subject that that brings up. Sometimes I read an article or a news piece, and it brings up different Bible subjects or questions that I think people should think about. And so that's the purpose. Plus, it makes it you know something that is going on right now that we can hear about. And it isn't just it isn't just to complain about modern culture. We do plenty of that, and I got no problem with that. But it isn't just that; it's to show you that these issues that people have in mind about uh, about spiritual things uh, are being played out before us as we live. And the Bible has already addressed many of these issues. Right. The trouble is, both non-religious and religious people 
have ignored what the Bible says about it or have, have turned it in some way that it's out of sync with what the Bible does say. And so since this show is about being just a Christian, going back to what the New Testament said about what it meant to be just a Christian and not part of some denomination or, or group uh, of people that set up their own rules, but following only Christ and the apostles' teaching. That's what this show is about, being just a Christian. We're going to keep going back to those sources. So here's a story uh, from a few years ago, really. I found it in, in something I was looking for this week and ran across this. Here's the headline. You don't need to believe to belong to New York, a, a new church plant in New York City's co-op city. So you don't need to be a believer to belong to this new church in New York City. That sounds odd, doesn't it? Yes, you know. Uh, When you read the article, it's a little different sometimes than the headline. You know, sometimes the headlines are either the person who makes the headline doesn't understand the article they just read or else uh, they're doing it to, what they call it, clickbait. Sometimes it's a play on the word believe, you know, which you can take different ways. But uh, it just just off the cuff sounds really... Yes, and and some of it, sometimes the misperceptions of the media who are very secular in their outcomes, even the religious writers in many of these newspapers and places are secular in their thinking, and their view of the church is so oddly perceived. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact that most of them, their only connection to anything religious is the Catholic Church. And so they only they bring their perceptions and prejudices for or against the Catholic Church into the writing they do, into the arguments they do, and therefore it colors things, and it doesn't line up with what many people believe. But here's the first paragraph. The pastor of a new church plant that is officially opening its doors this weekend in New York City's co-op city is praying that those who are furthest from God, farthest from God, will be the ones who walk through their doors. Well, I can tell you something. That's probably, the church on Savona Boulevard is exactly that way. Yes. We, we pray all the time that people that will walk through our doors are people that don't believe or people that are far from God who need the gospel. That's who we're trying to attract, whether it's through our doors or some other way. So I, I can get that. But the assumption behind that statement made by a reporter or even maybe this preacher is that churches are closed to people who don't already believe what they believe. And that isn't true at all. Uh, the read doors that, of this church are statement verbatim again. What what exactly does that statement? The, the pastor of a new church plant that's opening its doors in New York City this weekend is praying that those who are farthest from God will be the ones to walk through the doors. Yes. Well, of course, I, I agree with that. that. But now the article doesn't. The article, the, assu- the assumption of the article, the reason it's even put in here is because that's something different that most churches don't want anybody who's not already a believer to come through the door. Well, what that shows a great misunderstanding of Christianity. What was the headline on that article? You, headline is, you don't need to believe to belong to New York church plan. Well, belong is a different to thing. To belong. Well, that, and that's where I'm going with this, you see. That belong. Walking through the doors and, and belonging to a church are, are two, two different, different things. things. That's where I'm going with this, Gary. That's exactly right. He says, we're certainly not going to water down Jesus' message ever, this pastor says that. We believe that he's God's son, and we believe that he changed his life today, and we believe that he's the only way to salvation. But we want to let people know that they can belong to New Song Church, belong to this community, even before they might believe fully in this God that we're talking about. So they can be part of this, here's this liberal buzzword, community. 
Okay, we, they can belong to this community, but even before they fully believe. Now he says um, this church is led by Pastor Talone and his wife's Pastor Cindy Talone. Are not interested in right there's another problem, but that's another story. Was not interested in demanding that anyone become committed to Christ before com- committing to the community. So he says this is a part of New New Song Church's core beliefs. We're not asking you to make any decisions right now. You can attend New Song Church. You may not even be truly believe what we're saying, but you're kind of inviting you on this journey with us toward Jesus. And so what they have done here is, um, uh, uh, let me see if I can skip over here to the salient part that I marked out. We're pray- what we're praying for is for people to be able to come in and experience a fresh or maybe for the first time God in a different way. Uh, the the way he sees it, there's room for more churches here. And he says people are kind of, uh, he believes he, his target group, that is people who are kind of ex-church people, people that for whatever reason feel like they don't want anything to do with God and who live in this area. He said that's who they want. So we're hoping that they'll dig into the community, he says, and so forth. Now what they mean by that is we want you here to volunteer for our programs and one of the programs they list here is uh, a weeks-long sports camp with a spiritual emphasis in the summer and things like that so we want you to come and and uh, get involved and be part of this community of people that are doing these good deeds and uh, community activist led activities and then you can decide later if you want to become a Christian well, I, I was just thinking, maybe I'm taking you away from your argument a little bit, Mike, but I was just thinking, you, you know, what we, the position that this group here would take uh, is really in, in, found in Luke, I think it's chapter 5, beginning at about verse 30. Uh, and it says, and, and their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, talking about Jesus' disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Exactly. That's exactly the New Testament view of this, I believe. Well, yes. The question is, what does it mean to repent? Yeah. It's one thing for people to att- We have people attend here every Sunday that are not what I would consider to be New Testament Christians based on what the Bible says about how you become a Christian and what your thought system is. But we're we not upset about that door. at all. We're glad about that. It's not something new. We, we invite people to come to our, and we invite all you listeners, we do it almost every show, come and be with us this morning. We have a Bible class at 10 o'clock, or it starts about 10, 10. Uh, you can even live stream it. I can give you the address to live stream it if you can't be here. Uh, but uh, we also have a, then have a regular worship at 11 o'clock where you have preaching, singing, uh, the Lord's Supper, and so forth at, at 11 o'clock. We invite everybody to come and join in that. And then we have some various classes and activities during the week. And you're certainly welcome to those. And but to we, be a we member. We have Wednesday but, night classes we're back in. Yes, we're back live Wednesday night Bible study at 730. You can come participate in that. Um, and you can even live stream that. But there's a difference in, that, in, in coming and, and being a uh, observing and learning here in this church building or wherever wherever else we have our classes there's a difference between that and being a christian and being a member of a church now 
the phrase member of the church, I guess that's part of what I'm getting at, is comes, uh, that phrase is not found in the Bible. And really the, the references we could uh, use to talk about that is the fact that Christians are considered to be members of Christ's body. And Paul goes into great detail in this in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 about all the different types of members, some more beautiful than others, some, uh, but all of them have their usages. All members of a body have their own usage. And he says even the more unseemly parts, some of our guts, we'd say, have a greater usage than some things we think are beautiful, you know, like our nose or something. So he says all parts of a body are useful. So the phrase member of the church then comes from the fact that he later says that we are members of the Lord's body, his church. So the church has members because the church is the body of Christ and the body of Christ has members and therefore Christians could be, when you follow that logic out, members of the church or members of the body. But it certainly isn't uh, the, the idea that it's a member of a club like a rotary club or a 4-H or something. Yeah. It's a member of a body like my hand or my toe or my, my, my heart is a member of my body. Right. It's, and, a, it's and, and, directly connect. Be a member of the church is to be directly connected to that body. And not like a club. You don't bring a letter of recommendation or things like that. God is the one who adds to the kingdom, which is another, you know, we could go into that aspect of it. But God is the one that adds us to the church. He has conditions under which he will add us to the church that he expects to be met. That we become a part of his body, right. not joining a club. And so right. to be a member of a church is to really be saying, I'm a member of Christ's body that meets in this location. And more generally, a member of the Lord's body universally. So the idea of a member here, the, uh, the under, this is an understanding that's lost on a lot of people. Pro probably some of the members of this church here have lost it because we use the word member of something differently than it was used in the Bible. It's not joining a club or, or it's not even becoming part of a community. That's a modern, I don't, uh, you know, a modern, more social activist well, kind of idea of being a member of a community. I think what we do, Mike, is we try to recognize the conditions that God has set down in scripture and when we see the when we are able to see those conditions fulfilled then we generally consider them a member and right when they do what the bible says yes. to become a christian they can become a member of this church and so forth now but god is the only one that adds people to his body right and that's different than being a as it were a member of a club now, the, but see, the, the idea here for some people, I know there's so much jargon in, on, in this little article that I read here. The idea is, uh, the Bible speaks not of communities per se, but of uh, being a neighbor to those around you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who, and who is my neighbor, Jesus asks. Well, the man asks Jesus, and he tells a story about the Good Samaritan. And it t basically, the neighbor, your neighbors, whoever you come in contact with, you're supposed to do good to. But a lot of people, Gary, in our society, institutionalized type society, collectivist society, they can't see that any good can be done unless a group of people get together under some kind of government-sponsored organization or church-sponsored organization and do that good. They can't themselves feed anybody that's poor unless they join a, quote, a community and somebody else is paying for it usually. 
to get that done. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. We organize work groups here at the church. We, or, we, we ask people to participate in taking care of those members who are sick or need things. We have stuff like that going on right now. And uh, we, we have probably have people over, over years that aren't exactly members of the Lord's body here that participate in that. But that's different than, than somehow coming across as if these people are Christians when they do that because um, they join in this, um, what am I trying to say? Because they join in a social uh, benevolent enterprise then, or because they join a, a sports team that the church sponsors, that, that makes them part of some kind of church community. The Bible doesn't speak of that kind of thing. No, as a matter of fact, uh, I think we, we talked a few shows back about the conditions that God sets for his addition of people to his, to his body or his kingdom, depending on how the church talks about, as being mentally acknowledging him, as being repenting of basically sins and turning your life around confessing his name before men and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Those are basic conditions that God has set for those things. Now, there's, that's not all. We, we have to continue, and we talked about this last week, we have to continue in doing his work. Right. And we have to learn what that work is from Scripture because not everything that man deems good is what God recognizes. Right. Well, if you, just want, if you want to go back and look at this, you can see from like Acts 11... Um, in verse 24, at the end of, verse, excuse me, verse 26 there, 1126, it says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So here we have this, and Antioch is a city in, in, in northern Palestine, in Syria, I suppose, Antioch of Syria, this one is, and the church, church had spread from Jerusalem after being founded on the on Act, in Acts chapter 2, which we'll read in a moment, and disciples had come to Antioch and that was a few years later and here the Holy Spirit basically because they were called Christians in Antioch what is a Christian well how did these people get where they were who what made them Christians it wasn't because they joined together in a social enterprise with a church it was because they did something else much more fundamental and and um let me see if I can. There's two. There's two or three places that you you find well, this mentioned. Well, one of them but, I think you're talking about is Acts two forty one. Is that the one? You're yes, reading? I'm going to Acts chapter two. I, I was going to start a little earlier than that. That that Peter was preaching to these people after the miracle of the tongues that fell on the apostles, and he said, "Let all the, verse thirty six. Let therefore all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ." And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, to rep since they believed that he was the Lord, now they needed to repent of their sins and be baptized. And then it says, Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and in that day, there were about 3,000 souls added to, to them or added together. Then you go down to verse 42. Verse 47. Those people, verse 42, continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. So they, they held together. They didn't just go off to their own life and uh, baptize and walk away. They continued together in these prayers and, and so forth. 
and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So it's very obvious that the people he calls the church here at the end of the chapter are the people in the beginning, the middle of the chapter, I should say, who had repented of their sins, been baptized, and added together by the Lord to his body, the church. Yeah. That's obvious from this chapter. That's who he's talking about. Not yeah, different we see people. who does the adding here. Yeah, the Lord added to the church. The Lord added to the church. Right. And we also see the conditions under which he adds to the church. He has right. set certain conditions for us to meet. Uh, not that that earns us anything, but he has said, okay, basically these are the conditions I want you to answer. I and, and that's why, as it may, it may seem odd to some, but that's why Gary and I don't consider people members of this body, the church here, unless they've done those things right. that the Bible directs in some way. Uh, and when they've done those things, either they talk to it, tell us in the past this happened or, or here, then we know that the Lord has added them to his church. And, of course, they can decide they want to join this church locally and work with us. That's fine if they want to do that. And so we urge people to become a member of the Lord's church, his body, and then work with this body in carrying out his will. And so that's the uh, premise behind that, you see. And you can see that this go. you can see so many other different examples of this happening. Um, it but says, then I want, I want to make one more statement here. What we say here, as far as a member goes, anyone is welcome to come and learn. We go, go back to that statement of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 5, that he did not come uh, basically to seek those that are righteous. He came to seek those who were sinners. He came certainly. to call them to repent. You don't have to be some kind of perfect person you know, uh, right now to be a to come to this church and we'll greet you and, and treat you as best we can as human being and accept you we don't mind. remember me telling the story gary if recently about the um two fellows that visited i think you were here that day but i don't know if you how much you interact with them and young two younger men came visit we gave them cards we talked to them invited them back and tried to get acquainted with them and Hope they would come back. I didn't see them back for a couple of weeks. Then I got a notice from one of them in the email. Would you accept two practicing homosexuals as a member of your church? And I told them, I said, we're really glad you came. We want to invite you back every single time you can come. Be with us. No one here will mistreat you. And, and But we cannot accept you as a member of this church until you're willing to repent of sin. In this case, stop being a practicing homosexual. We would feel, and I told them we would be feel the same way and do, and we have done the same thing. We have to done people the same who are thing. living together without being married. We have told them exactly the same thing. I'm telling you here, they need to repent of this and change their behavior and become a Christian before they can become a member of this church. They don't have to change that behavior to attend here and to learn and to be greeted by people. And we're not going to mistreat you because of those things. Uh, I'm I'm sure that in in my time of 25 years in this building, we've had plenty of people in this building coming here who are have done about every kind of sin you can imagine. Many of those sins unrepented of, and I'm glad about that. I'm, we're happy about that. I hope that if you're not, we we invite you. You're not even a believer to call in this radio show. Well, there's another. We're new not screening you based on whether you're already a Christian or not. Well, there's another New Testament principle in that Paul said that very thing of the Corinthians in the Corinthian letter. Right. 
for, uh, he said that, that and such were some of you yeah, talking for had a list of sins yes in first corinthians 6 they were adulterers fornicators homosexuals and such were some of you he says to them right uh, and um over in, if you but notice, the key word there, such were, were some the, of you. Yeah, and the people, the members of the church, have to have made some kind of an effort and desire to repent of what is sinful. We often don't do good. Uh, we don't. What am I trying to say? Repentance is at once something that is happens at a point in time that you decide I'm going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to. I'm sorry for what I've done. I recognize it's wrong. I'm going to change. That can happen at one point in time. But repentance in the long run requires bearing fruit of that. That's why John and uh, John the Baptist in John 3 said, uh, bring, uh, bring Matthew 3, excuse me, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. You, we, you have to, have, over time, show that your behaviors change. So we have people in this church and have had in the past who have repented, sorry for the way they've been living, all different kinds of sins, and they try to do what they can do to change it. Some are much more successful than others in having a quick success in doing that. Depends on the person, upon the type of sin it is, and so forth. But we're here to encourage you in that. In that. Well, That's an, why it says confess right. your sins one to another. But there's another aspect of that, Mike. When we turn, when we come to repentance, to as, as Peter said in Acts chapter 2, he said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. He only preached a short sermon. I'm fairly certain that many of those people that turned and were baptized did not completely understand all the changes that they needed to no, make that, in that, their life. That's be, that you're saying it better than than I was trying to say it. I'm trying. I was trying to say that uh, people make a start, and that's all we can ask of someone at the beginning. That's all God can ask of me, and then we have to depend upon God's help and the help of our brothers and sisters to continue to make those changes and study the scriptures. Yes. Gary and I are still willing to repent of wrong that we've done and sins. When we realize those things, try to make a change and, and do better. But, uh, you know, pe- people have varying degrees of success. And that's why, uh, what am I trying to say? That, that, that's why we would often look at the church here. When I look out, when I stand up here to preach this morning, look at this group of people. You know, they're all pretty scrubbed and stuff and wearing, not wearing rags, any of them. And, of course, that would be okay if they were. But a person can walk in that assembly, Gary, and look around and say, man, these people aren't like me. Look at all. They're all such nice Christians. They've never done anything wrong in their life. They've always wanted to do what was good, and I don't. And I've had people tell me that. Nothing could be further from the truth. Or they're not doing anything wrong in their life right now, which in some cases, in terms of ignorance of what's in the Scripture, we continue to sin. But we need to change. We need to. I, I can't. It's, it's I'm, a, I'm, I'm, process, failing, I'm failing. It's to a get process it. of growing in Christ right. and continuing to repent of what we see as day by day goes by that we need to change and repent of. And we're all in various stages of this. I often compare the church to a hospital. You have a trauma w- uh, unit where people in life-threatening situations come in, they get treated for in emergency situations, and so then they keep you in that for until they stabilize you. Then they put you in ICU, uh, where you stay until you get better enough to maybe make it on your own. Then you go to a regular room at a hospital, you may stay some time there, and then they uh, take you out of there and put you in rehab for a few months or whatever until you get back on your feet again. And the church is that hospital. We have everybody in every stage of that hospital uh, experience in this church. 
and always will have. But that's different than saying that just because somebody walks in the door that they're a member of and say, I want to join this church, that they're a member of this church. Can't be that way because God says you have to repent of your sins, believe on Jesus Christ, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Well, I'd like to then make, you can be a member of this church. I'd like to make one more analogy. You talk about that hospital and the treatment. You're given medications and treatment in that hospital to improve your condition as you go on. What's the treatment for the Christian? It's the Word of God. Right. The treatment, the medication that's given is steady and continuous doses of the Word of God. And that's found in the Bible. And, that, and that's what we're here for. Right. That's I'm, I'm going to read, read that. That's right, Gary. And I'm going to read that verse that um, you mentioned a moment ago in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to take just a stop for a moment and give the contact numbers again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So if, if a person who comes to this New Song church is continue, continuing to live in adultery or continues to be a fornicator, they can come to that church and join this community people working at a soup kitchen they can do that all they want to but as long as they continue in unrighteousness and not repent and be and are baptized for their sins they're still lost so they can't be part truly a part of the lord's church do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. And of course, in this very same book, in the previous chapter, he's already told them that there's a fornicator among them, and you're happy about it. You need to, you need to, you need to remove him from your membership, as it were, because he continues yes. to live as a fornicator. That's chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. So there's a person who was attending a church with the disciples who shouldn't have been considered a member of that church by them any longer because he was continuing in open sin against the Lord. So there's a difference between a person who comes to learn or to study or to grow or meets nice people. He's learning about the kingdom of God. We're very thrilled about that, and we're not here to sit back and judge everything that goes on in a person's life like that. We want them to grow and learn and, 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 and uh, meet people that are Christians, hopefully with the idea of learning and deciding, I want to be a Christian too, and then we'll talk to you about what it takes to be a Christian, and you can become a member of the Lord's body, not just someone who joins a baseball team or a soccer club like they have in these churches, but someone who's really a Christian, member of the Lord's body. And the surprise to most is how long this takes. Sometimes it can take a long time no, to make that change. Li- it takes the rest of your life. Well, if it, yes, even if you become a Christian, you don't stop repenting. You don't stop right. trying to learn and grow. It's, it's a lifelong process. Is that what you mean, Gary? Yes. yes. It, it takes the rest of your life. I, I've come to the conclusion after, I don't know, I, I didn't answer the gospel at the same age you did, Mike, but it's been some almost 40 years now. And I'm still learning. Right. I'm still learning. The, the, the most difficult thing that I found was to recognize the situation I'm in that needs the application of something from the Scripture. Yeah. And I'm still learning that. Yes, and that's exactly right. Well, um, let me, let's pause just for a second, Gary, because I want to give the contact information again. Uh, you can call in here. We are just Christians at 772-340-1590. 
772-340-1590 is the call in. We, we'd love to take your call this morning. We have plenty of time to have a discussion with you, or you can even just ask a question or make a comment. Agree, disagree, whatever it may be. 772-340-1590, or you can text us. My number is 772-260-6120. That's Mike. And Gary's number is 772-260-6220. So I hope that you'll get in touch with us uh, if we can help you in some way or call in right now. We'd be glad to hear your question. You know, people think that they have to have some profound point to make to call in or that um, it'd be if they just have a question, they're going to sound ignorant. Trust me, uh, lots and lots of people out there in that audience want to know the answer to the question. And a lot of the questions we've been asked, Gary, I'd like to know the answer to myself completely. Well, like why does God let bad, bad uh, things happen to good people? You know, uh, we, we can give you some Bible insight into that, but uh, usually we have the same questions. People have the same questions. So call in and, um, and let's let everybody hear it, and we can have a great learning experience if you do. Uh, basically, I'm, I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself, but this is Open Line Sunday. Oh, open, okay. Oh, boy. This is Open, open Line li- Sunday. It is. You we, can bring up whatever subject you want to. You can bring up whatever subject you want to. It doesn't have to be what we're discussing. No. We have to come to the show prepared to talk about something, or at least Gary does. I can talk, <laughs> I can talk for an hour without even trying. But, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> we come prepared for, on various subjects and, and so forth, so we have a show. But we're certainly not trying to limit the discussion to that topic at all. But I thought this was an interesting idea here because um, a lot of people's idea, Gary, of a church or becoming a member of a church is they shop around till they find one that excites them, that they like the preacher or they have a good light show or a good band or they have a, they have a school or a baseball team their kids can be a part of. And so they, they join that church and they think, well, now I'm a Christian because I've joined this church and that's my church. Um, that's not how the Bible says that process should take place. That's not how the Bible says the, you've got a lot of the important things shoved to the side and the more um, tangential things put at the center. Yeah, yes, you should find a church. The first thing about finding a church, maybe we should do a show on how to find a church, what you should be looking so, for. Sounds like a good idea. That's a good, good show. But the, the thing to look for in a church is not whether they have a good light show or a baseball team. The idea is, do they they teach the Word of God carefully and meticulously? Are they true to the Scriptures? And that may be difficult for you to figure out at first, but you'll you'll know when you come across a church that's more interested in social social causes than it is about in the Gospel of Christ, or one that doesn't really say anything worthwhile at all, just a bunch of platitudes you can read in, in any kind of book you pick up. Are there some That's what key, a lot of sermons are. They're just humanist platitudes repeated over and over again. Are they? They there's some key things that they can say. There are basically, uh, I've actually heard on television some pastors that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Right. And when they say that, big alarm be, bells be ought to go off. Right. Well, Gary, we've got a call on the okay. line. Are Are you there, Jerry? Oh, good morning, uh, guys. I was wondering about uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, first of all, did I get the pronunciation uh, right about the uh, where he was? Is that where he was from, Arimathea? And uh, and why we didn't know more about Joseph, uh, Mary's husband? And uh, I hope I got the pronunciation correct. And I'd like to listen off air. That'd be okay, Mike. Okay, 
Y- yes, okay. You, it's fine, yes, Jerry. Thank you, you it's for fine, Jerry. Thank you for calling. Yes, Jer- uh, yes Jer- uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jerry of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. And that's exactly right. Uh, and that's exactly right. right. You said it right, and that's that's, right. that's where he was from. They often. They often. Referred to people in the Bible referred to times, people like, in the Saul Bible times Tarsus, like Saul of Tarsus or Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. because that's how they, um, that's kind of how they, they didn't always have what we would call a last name. And so uh, they, they referred to them by like the place where they were from. And so Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, well, there were two ways. They, they, would, they would sometimes refer to them with where they came from or was the son of someone. Yeah, like Bar-Rabbis or yes, right. Bar-Jonah. Bar meaning son of. Well, l- let's read the reference to this first. There's a couple of references to Joseph Arimathea. In Matthew 27, 57, uh, after the uh, crucifixion of Jesus, that when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Matthew 27, 57. Um, and so he came. Hang on, let me pull up the whole scripture here. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate commanded the body be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and departed. So that's the, that's what more or less uh, the main one of the main patches about Joseph of Arimathea. You find in Mark 15, another reference, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, that's the Sanhedrin, the 70 leading elders in, in, uh, in Israel, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he, Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning a centurion asked him if he had been dead for some time. And so when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. And then Joseph took it and uh, laid it in his tomb because he had a new tomb, and he, they had him, he had him roll the stone against the tomb and seal it. And so you find out a little more about Joseph there um, in, in Mark. In Luke 23, um, it says that, uh, Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member. That's Luke 23:50, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. So there was somebody on the Sanhedrin who voted against crucifying Jesus. And Joseph was one of them. them. Apparently, a slight reference is made later on in the Bible that Paul was on that council and voted in favor of putting him to death, who later became the Apostle Paul. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He took it down and so forth. So, you see a lot of things said about this man of Aramith- from Arimathea. And um, I, this is a different Joseph. Now, I'm not sure. If this, this is not jo- John 19. Uh, well, let me add one, read one more verse, uh, Gary. Well, this is not Mary's husband. Right. And so I will, um, we'll get to that in just a second because I forgot yeah. to read in John. Verse 38, uh, chapter 1938, get a little more information. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body. And he even find Nicodemus, who first came at night, it says, and he gave. So this Joseph, 
was a secret disciple of Jesus who was on the Sanhedrin. And he came and took the body and put it in his own tomb where nobody had ever been buried yet. A great act of uh, mercy to Jesus and the family and his family. But that's a different Joseph than the Joseph right. that was Jesus' We, we might also father. conclude that he was probably a fairly wealthy man. Yes, to have this kind of tomb. And, and to be on the council, he would obviously have been wealthy in this sense. So, uh, Fulfilling one of the prophecies of Jesus that he would what be counted among the poor and buried among the wealthy. Right. Or at least that's a paraphrase of it. I didn't quote that just exactly right. But okay, so this is a different Jerry. This is a different Joseph than the, than Joseph, the husband of Mary. He was uh, we we find him early in Jesus' life, some thirty three years before this time. He is the one who God came to in a vision and told him that Mary Mary would have a son and not to worry about taking her to wife and so forth. Joseph was a good man. And But we find after Jesus is 12 years old, in the incident of him uh, getting lost and going back to the temple when he was 12, we hear nothing more about Joseph in the Bible. He was, he was apparently gone and dead by the time that Jesus was, began his ministry at 30 years old. And certainly by the time Jesus was crucified, we hear nothing about Joseph uh, at all uh, because he was apparently dead. Yeah, there in some ways we know more about Joseph Arimathea than we do about Mary's husband. Right. Uh, some aspects of the life, though we know very little detail about either one of them. No, we don't know too much more about it. now. Now, Catholic tradition has added a lot to these stories and these people, and I don't put a lot of stock in uh, some of those some of those traditions as someone else might. Now. Um, Hmm. I got a te- we got a text from Ken, um, who often calls in. He was driving. The text says, "Can you c- please comment?" I love the way he's. He, I think he's setting me up here. <laughs> Can you please comment? Or maybe maybe you worse than me, Gary. Can you please comment on Ecclesiastes ten two and um, Matthew twenty five? Uh, you I got them both here. Twenty five. 31 through 41. Now, I've seen this put forth as a meme, I think, the same type of thing. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Well, um, I think he's trying to get at making the political analogy here of... uh, right versus left and I'll have a comment about that in a moment but you, you see the, and the same thing is happening happens over in um, verse Matthew 25 that when the son of, a, son of man comes in his glory verse 31 all the holy angels with him then he will sit on the throne in his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from the other sheep from the goats the sheep he'll sit on his right hand the goats on the left so there's the right the sheep and the goats the good people are on the right hand. The goats are on the left hand. Now, I'm not sure how our... I don't really know what that means, except I, in the ancient world, and really in the modern world, because I'm a left-hander, so I know how this works. Uh, everything is geared to people who are right-handed. Since only about, what, 10 to, 10 to 16% of the population is left-handed, uh, and that may count some of them that are ambidextrous, uh, the vast majority of people are right-handed, always have been uh this word right came to be associated with what is right 
what is good, what is proper, and left associated with that which is not proper. If you, if you play the game of Bible trivia, Gary, it'll ask you, uh, which hand did Judas use? Well, Judas was considered by Catholic tradition to be left-handed. Not only was he left-handed, Judas in Catholic tradition had red hair. Wow. He was a red-headed left-hander. Now, that's pretty bad for, in the ancient <laughs> world, except the trouble is the Bible says nothing like that. Well, we have, uh, we have uh, 700 left-handed archers of the tribe of Benjamin in the Old Testament. They were well a re- renowned military unit. There was 700 left-handed archers, which would probably throw the enemy off by the way that they're shooting the arrows and so forth. Except, ironically, Benjamin means son of my right hand. So when, when uh, Joseph named Benjamin his son, he called him the son of his right hand, meaning the son of my strength. I'm a left-hander, Gary, and if you ask me to, to, to it's, you tell me if something's on my right, I will automatically think of my, what is my left hand, because that's where my strength is. Well, the, my, another, I get it confused all the time because your strength is in your right hand. I've been taught that, so there it is. Another common designation among the world today, and, and especially in the uh, target shooting world, which I do a little bit of target shooting. That's is, why I'm nice is, to him, by the way. Is uh, strong versus weak. The right hand is considered the strong, strong. hand. The left hand is considered the weak, the weak hand. Yeah. And For so all when, you people when you read, prejudice. Right. When you read articles about that, you'll have a re- reference to the weak hand or the strong hand. I would like something to be written in federal law about discrimination on the basis of handedness. You've got every <laughs> other kind of hand, a handicap going. No, and, and here's the interesting thing, too. Uh, I studied Latin for six years in high school and junior high school. And in Latin... The word for right, as in right hand, is dextra, or various forms of that word. We get dexterous, meaning able to use something freely and well. You're, if a person is dexterous, they're very talented with their hands. The word for left in Latin is sinistre. Oh, sinister. Sinister. Uh-huh. word sinister comes from the word in Latin for left-handed. Because uh, I guess they were trying to portray the idea that left-handed people are more sinister. And it's true, left-handed people have... By percentage, the bell curve is way off on them. A lot more criminally insane people, psychopaths, um, homosexuals, all kind of other people are by far higher percentage left-handed. But they also have a percentage higher. We also have a higher percentage of geniuses, musically talented people, artists, actors. They are far higher percentage of left-handed people. I'm getting some kind of crackling in my ear. I don't know if you can hear it on the air or not, but uh, it's not me doing my usual banging the furniture and playing <laughs> with stuff over here in this case. So there's always been this kind Mike of... has a bad habit of playing with the wires while he's Yeah, talking. I, I have a bad habit of playing with, playing with everything. But, but anyway, they, that's the difference. So um, the Bible doesn't really... God is just using in this case that he puts his... Jesus is going to judge people as the sheep's on um, right hand because that's a sign of strength and that's where that's where his uh, trusted assistant would sit i think mike what's what's being presented here is a case of opposites we're seeing comparisons of opposites we're seeing good versus evil we're considering right hand versus left hand we're considering strong versus weak it's a case of opposites I think what the Bible yes. is, is trying to get is contrast, if we will, between these two positions or between these two characteristics. Not not that it makes one good or bad or the other. 
Well, good. We're glad we can be back. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, something went, went on with Xfinity or Comcast or some other piece of equipment here. And uh, we'll have to do the best we can. I'm sorry if the audio is poor. But we were talking about the fact, uh, we are talking about this question of left and right-handedness. One of the things that I think Gary is also in the Bible that may bear on this too is that when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he ascended back to sit on the right hand of the Father on the throne. So this would be the person on the throne and the person next to him who is the second in power or whatever, the co-regent, would sit on that person's right hand. Okay, uh, maybe we didn't get in. I, w- I was presenting the fact that this right hand versus left hand thing, uh, good versus evil, uh, whatever, is, is a contrast. It Partic- is a contrast, yes. It's, it's, it's a, a contrast between the sheep and the goats. It's a contrast between those things. Of, It's not a reflection on whether it's, you know, it's a position. Good. It's, it's not a, good and bad to be right-handed or left-handed right, personally. right. But it, it, it is a contrast. In, and the Bible teaches a lot of things this way. We need to understand that this is symbolism or a form of symbolism that we're seeing here. There's a division. There's a division. He'll say sometimes as far as the east is from the west. west. And, and that's, that's what you're getting at, isn't right, it? Right, exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, and so that, I think that's what I would make of that. I, I don't think he, I know Ken probably sent this in, I would imagine, as a tongue-in-cheek joke that, uh, Maybe he knows Mike's left-handed. I don't know. Well, I think he was trying to he, he say that people who have right-leaning politics are more righteous than people who have left-leaning politics. Now, actually, I I think that when you get – I don't like the right and left designation because I think it's completely inaccurate politically. Oh, it certainly but, is. But when you get too far to the right, you're going to meet the ones coming around from the left because they're the same people. They want government control of your life, and they just may disagree about the details of that. Yes. But they're authoritarians. They're certainly not uh, people who believe in a constitutional government. The Nazis were actually the right. They were the National Socialist Socialist, Party. They were opposed to communists because of... And they're called right, but but they're they're more common with things on the left today in many ways. Yeah. And the things that are going on in our society about political correctness and all that are much more... Uh, much more observable in left-leaning communist socialist countries, the stifling of speech and, and all that kind of stuff. It goes along with what's going on in all the communist countries of the world. So I don't really buy into the right and left. I know it's a convenient thing for people to, uh, to talk about. But in any event, I'm not sure that's what Ken was getting at. Well, but, I was, uh, was going to uh, ask you, Mike, did, did we get all of Jerry's question? Because I think part of what I heard him say is why do we not know any more about oh, these did. people than than we do, and maybe no more about Joseph. I think yeah, Joseph's stepfather, yeah, his earthly father. Uh, and and we didn't really address that. I don't know that there's much that we can say about that, other than the Bible chooses what information to give us, and by choosing not to give us that information, the suggestion is it's not that important. It, well, it's not, but it does t- tell us that his character was good. He yes. was a righteous man, and he. Uh, didn't want he, he was good in the sense that he recognized that Mary should not have been pregnant out of wedlock, but he also was just the Bible says in that he didn't want to just put her away and cause her to be be shamed. Well, under the and law, she should have been put to death. Possibly, yes, if there were any witnesses. That's right. But but he's trying to tell him um, 
she didn't do anything wrong, and Joseph respected that, and he, even before that, he was going to do a good thing for her, but then he took on this responsibility to raise Jesus and to, and to be married to Mary, and they had other children. The Bible lists four, right. five, four, four or five other sons and daughters of, of Jesus and Matthew. Also 12. contrary to what the Catholic Church right. teaches. Um, you know, um, we got a text from Sherry. Uh, I believe this lady lives in Georgia from what I remember from a previous text. He says, she said, great show, very needed teachings. Would like to hear a show about recognizing the church or finding the church. It's very needed. So that's what we were talking about. Yeah, today. I yes. think we'll try to do that soon. And okay. thank you for that text very much. We appreciate the kind words. Well, we've got about a minute left. I, I think we should uh, remind people about where we are and how to get here and visit with us if you want to come. Everybody is welcome, of course. And we, we would certainly encourage you to do that. You'll find just ordinary people, the same kind of interest that you have, struggling to, to f- uh, find their way in this world. And that way is through Jesus Christ. So you come and be with us. 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. That's at the north end of Savona on the uh, west side, just behind the little shopping center. That's where our building is. And we'd be glad to have you come and visit us. At about 10 o'clock this morning, we have a Bible study for all ages, including your children. We have uh, classes for your children. We have our regular worship at 11 o'clock. And then our Wednesday night Bible study at 7.30. And uh, we all are live streaming all of those services. And we'd be glad to have you come and be with us anytime you can. Thanks for listening. And may God bless you. Oh, fill my cup, let it overflow. Oh, fill my cup, let it overflow.